Okay, hey guys, uh, welcome to a guy in his room with Narwhal again. Hey, what's up? Uh, yeah, not much. Thanks for thanks for doing this again. No problem. Yeah, we, we delayed it a couple times. I uh, pushed it back, but it's good to get back on your show. Yeah, I know you. I know you. Uh, last time, last week, you lied and said you had COVID, so you could get out of doing it. But uh, <laughs> it was a mild case, but it was nevertheless very real. All COVID is kind of fake. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, what I think one of your shows, maybe I don't know, some comics geek show. They talked about this old show, Utopia, that was like first on the in the UK, and I've been watching that. It's all on YouTube. And it's kind of creeping me out because it's about a fake um, flu. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I heard about that. I didn't look too much into it. But, yeah. But they call that predictive programming, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I was looking at their, I guess there's a Reddit, and they were like, yeah, all these loony conspiracy people keep coming in and saying it's predictive programming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, that's too... Uh, Well, you don't even need too much. Yeah. Yeah, and even the the that shows creepy, but they ran like a simulation with like Bill Gates and those guys the year before too. Like that's you don't even need the predictive programming conspiracy theory. There's like so much other shit that's creepy. Oh yeah, it was like uh, yeah, I forget what it was called, but I know they it's a pandemic scenario. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in this show, they're like, oh, we have to get it right this time. Like, they've tried it a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But um, check out the show, everybody. Uh, and, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. That's all I had to say. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I... Oh, yeah, because I tweeted and said I've been, uh, I read that Earthbound new one. And Grand just, Prix? Yeah. And I did just finish Cerberus yesterday, too. Nice. That's cool. You're becoming a narwhal completionist. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm glad you had, uh, now you have an eBay store. Um, oh, nice. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm normally a completionist. I just got the Grand Prix just because, like, well, it was shorter, too. I was like, well, this would be... Maybe an introduction I can do to Narwhal. Yeah, you were dipping your toes. And that's interesting, too, because it's it's not the first book. But it, So I was curious of someone reading it without having read the first book. Because it is kind of designed to be its own story. But you do miss some context. But that might not be terribly important. And, um, and yeah, you said you still enjoyed it, which was pretty good. Uh, it was good to hear. Yeah. Okay, I got confused by a comment. I should. I am live. I hope not. <laughs> I thought he meant that it's still on the countdown, but no. Okay. Uh, That's for yeah, just likes, I guess. Uh. 
Yeah, I guess there might have been some stuff in that that I didn't know before. I guess, uh, I, I mean, I guess to me, I was like, it was mainly just the characters. I was like, oh, this must be something from the first two books. But I didn't think there was any big thing that I was like, oh, I don't know. No, I, I think the big thing is, yeah, it's just you would know who all the characters are already if uh, in Grand Prix, kind of. And it's it's fine to meet them for the first time just reading Grand Prix, too. Yeah, so you have, uh, are you doing like one more Cerberus? Yeah, so in the end, it'll be two parts, each one like about 100 pages. Monica's drawing part two now, so it'll come out next year. Like probably later next year. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to getting that one complete for sure. It's it it's going some cool places. I'm looking forward to showing people what comes next. Yeah, it's cool. It's like the well to me that's almost more um in a good introduction to you, maybe because it's more Grand Prix was more uh I don't know sci-fi but the Cerberus was is more like a accessible <laughs> yeah it could be and Grand Prix too it's it's kind of just the setup and Cerberus is like a whole first half of a story so a lot more stuff happens so it's a little more fulfilling in that way like I'm looking forward to getting Grand Prix part two out um because <clears throat> then I think people will start to really get into that story um it's kind of a problem you face a little bit with part ones you know yeah yeah i mean at least well the first cerberus seems to end on okay there's an ending like you sort of find out some stuff at the end you know yeah it's like kind of like um how tarantino split kill bill up a lot of times oh, yeah. the story with story structure you just naturally have even if it's like a kind of three-act structure like super regular like almost everyone does that right in the middle is usually like a little table turning style moment or a little evolution and um and i don't know why it's like that but just i was even testing that for a while because i was like is that even true so i'd be watching a movie and you you know they show the bar and the completion of how far you've watched in the movie if you hit pause so i'd always i was doing that for a while i'm like this feels like that middle turning point. So I hit pause just to double check. 99% of the time it's right in the middle. And I'm like, that is definitely oh, yeah. a structural thing. And you can hear people like talk about that. Even like they have, like they call it like the middle turning point or whatever, but I'm like, Oh, it's real. And like that, that ends up being a good spot to break up a book always. Um, and that, that earthbound split up that way too, like right in that middle turning point. Kind of. So do you have the, overall story like done mentally for all, both of those earthbound and cerberus or yeah they're all written for grand prix completely written and then for earthbound there's also the in-between stories that take place because from the end of the first story and then there's grand prix grand prix is four years later so four years pass and then i have a another like 300 page book that is like a little more episodic kind of just checking in with all the characters, but that's covers those four years. They're more like short stories. That's almost like a little more like an anthology, but it has its own kind of structure too. So that will be the next book after Grand Prix. And that one's just called the gaps. 
So there's Earthbound, The Gaps, then Grand Prix. That's like in chronological order. Eventually, I want to do a prequel, which would be like issue zero. And then I actually I have the, the that's all written. The prequel isn't written, but three whole stories are written. They're all 300 pages. They're all really long. Like they're like kind of like the length of a movie screenplay. Um, and then I do have like a lot of the final story worked out, which is uh, going to be the sequel to Grand Prix, and that'll be another 300 page. And that probably would wrap it up. Um, and like, but I'm not even sure yet that the end end because it is a little bit like they're kind of just you know everyone kind of just wants their freedom and wants to be left alone. So I don't know if they just get a happy ending at the end or if something weird happens where they like, um, cause there is like some reincarnation type stuff. And, Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm not sure, but I don't right as it is now, they're just like episodic adventures, but the episodes are like super long rather than being short of like a 20 page issue. It's like 300 pages is one episode. And I've, I've done, like three of them uh, is going to be so by the end it's going to be a long super long story kind of oh so all the grand prix comics will be together 300 pages or the yeah yeah there's six of them and one's out right now and it's 44 pages part two is going to be yeah, like 44 48 pages okay so yeah, I guess I was wondering like how the for like Cerberus, like how do you you just did you you wrote it, but did you draw anything? Because I was like, how did you direct what she drew in every panel and stuff? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Well, part of it is Monica is like super professional, so you kind of can just give her the script and she knows exactly what to do. She's done it a million times. She also is someone who you're working with. She'll turn in pages that are better than anything you could have imagined in your head. Sometimes I'll work with people and it might not quite be, you know, I might've imagined something better. So then I will might work with them and do some back and forth. And then sometimes you can even annoy them by giving too much feedback and then they might quit and then you find someone else. But with Monica, it's always like so easy, but there was multiple iterations of me Kind of trying to do that book because I wrote it a while ago, so it was sitting there, and I didn't have the budget to produce it for a long time. I had a couple of false starts with a couple of different artists, including myself. Uh, like I just tried to do it myself for a while, do the first five pages. So I shared a lot of that with her, but mostly, um, mostly she just does you know does does her thing, and it looks great. Um, I, there are some parts in Cerberus where the kind of layout of the house is like really important to the storytelling. So I like drew a map of the house and gave that to her. So she knows the map of the house and oh. double, double check that kind of stuff to make sure the logistics of the action kind of work correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. I was going to try to show pages, but I don't even know. Oh yeah, it's kind of like getting disappeared by the. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's hilarious. Um, you got like the the Nirvana cover from the other angle is behind you. <laughs> oh yeah. My favorite part of that couple that uh cover was the baby's penis. By the way, <laughs> that was really the star of the. Uh... Um. 
Yeah, like the. I guess it reminded me of some stuff. Um, with the, I mean, it's cool that it's from the animals' perspective, and then the humans, like. Yeah, I guess it reminded me of those old, like I don't know, the Secret of Nim, but I haven't seen that in forever. But uh, it's cool, like that the animals, like you know, they know stuff that you would think animals know, like um, they think Chinese takeout is like from a dumpster or whatever. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely fun to write, and you know the origin of that too it kind of came from a joke idea that I had in college with one of my buddies. And we were talking about a seeing eye dog that worked for a guy. I forget why, but I think the guy, he might've been in the mob or he got killed by the mob or something. So he gets assassinated. And it, and so then the seeing eye dog goes on a quest for revenge against the mob to get to avenge his seeing eye dog master. And like, we're like, well, the first thing he has to do is like hitchhike across country to get to the mob boss's house somehow. So, and he has like the scent or whatever, maybe. So, so he goes up to a homeless guy on the freeway who's where, who's holding a sign for LA and he barks at that guy until he drops the sign. And then the dog picks it up. And then like someone picks up the dog and the dog oh. goes to LA. Like, so it was all just stupid jokes. We're just like laughing and kind of, but I somehow, I think we, uh we kind of plotted like the whole thing. And then like 10 years later, I was like, what if you actually took that serious instead of like, like making a joke out of it? And um, so then then that I immediately like I was like, oh, there is a, kind of a lot there, like a dog kind of trying to avenge its master. It's like a murder mystery and it would be like dog versus dog kind of. And then so it, it, it had that feeling where it was evolving pretty fast in my head where you're like, oh, feels like it's writing itself. Kind of you get kind of excited, a, a burst of inspiration. So I wrote it pretty fast. But yeah, I got to like jump in and have fun with that Animal Kingdom style stuff of the perspective of the animals. Yeah. I guess you don't see that much like like I was recently playing uh old Zelda like Twilight Princess or something and in there you become a dog sometimes and then the animals talk to you like <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, this is cool." And then I was like, "Oh, Cerberus reminds me of that like that they would learn stuff by li overhearing humans and uh um yeah and it, <laughs> I mean and it's not a furry comic by the way I think some people were like I'm not into furries so I don't <laughs> it's like <laughs> um we I mean we used to be maybe more innocent and not as depraved as a culture like that that's where people go to right away <laughs> i know i know yeah the, the furries ruined it for everyone because the anthropomorphic stuff or like a animal kingdom stuff is like really fun and that's like secret of nim uh all dogs go to heaven 101 dalmatians there's a long tradition of great fun stories like that um and but it got all perverted or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean but well, you can never predict, well, you know, I mean, I'm sure the My Little Pony creator didn't foresee what would happen there with <laughs> autistic yeah. men. Um, like, yeah, uh, 
And then it's like, what do you do? Like, what if there were? What if no one said that? And uh, like Cerberus takes off, and then you eventually you're like, oh, I, there's a portion of my fans that just are sexually into <laughs> animals. <laughs> yeah. Would you be like, yeah. all right, well, they bought it. <laughs> you know what I've been saying though is that it's like when Bob Dylan plugged in and went electric, and all the folk people got really mad or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, screw you, like play louder. That's like me going furry. I'm just like gonna <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it is just and it's just animals like not even anthropomorphic. They're just animals like it's like homeward bound kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and was... there's no there's no cats in this one. That was something I kind of felt bad about. I'm like, I'm representing a lot of different animals except for cats. So I'm like, <laughs> I want to do a cat story one day too. Yeah, I mean, well, they're they're not loyal though. That's the thing. They're. <laughs> yeah. What do you What do you tell the story about? Yeah. Just like, well, there is this video game I randomly came across called Stray that is your cat in it. And it looks cool, but also it would have to be a, a cat only out for himself. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like a stray, like straight up. Yeah, I had a little idea around that, kind of, and it would be a cat surviving Hurricane Katrina. But I'm like, to even do that, I'm like, oh, I got to like research Hurricane Katrina now a bunch. And I, so I haven't done that yet. Too lazy. Yeah, well... Yeah, buy Cerberus 1 now, because maybe cats will show up in the next... Uh, or maybe that's the big twist at the end of... Uh... <laughs> yeah, it cuts to... Have you seen the secret ending of Silent Hill? Where, like, no. at the end, it's like... The whole the whole game has been, like... Uh, there's, like, a giant alien spaceship making everything happen. And in the space, spaceship is, like, a Shiba Inu dog, like, pulling levers. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the end. I'm like, that's the end of my secret ending. Dude, I'm going to do that too. I will do that. That's hilarious. Um, it's going to be published as a pamphlet, like an add-on pamphlet. And you can only... That's my roommate, by the way. He wears a mask because he doesn't want to get oh. docked. <laughs> yeah. Um, But she... What was I saying? Oh, yeah. I'm going to do the pamphlet of the dog pulling levers in the spaceship. Or maybe it'll be a cat. Yeah, it wasn't... One of the Men in Black movies, the end was like, it keeps zooming out and it shows like the universe and then another, and but then it's all in in something I forget, but in like a marble or something, and then that yeah. zooms out and there's like another marble. I don't know. Yeah, I remember that. I remember thinking about that kind of recently. I'm like, oh shit, that was that was deep. Yeah. Um. But then, as you said, the one the Silent Hill thing. I'm like, yeah, that is kind of a hack. That could be a hacky like. See every, I don't know, like the same thing when someone wakes up from a dream or like. <laughs> totally. That's why it can only be a joke ending, like a secret joke ending. And it can't even be like in the real book. You can only oh, yeah. do it as like a little pamphlet add on. Like here's the pamphlet to ruin it. If you really <laughs> want to read the, the secret ending. <laughs> Top secret. Yeah, there was, uh, there was a while where like. There was a lot of movies that would come out on DVD and they'd have like three different endings that you could watch and like most of them were bad. <laughs> yeah. And usually the movie wasn't that good like in the real ending isn't that good either, so. Yeah, that's funny. 
Yeah, usually if it's a good story, you can only have one ending, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's like, I, in a way, I don't know if it made me or mine reminded me of this, but I, I wanted to watch that old Roger Rabbit movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah. I kind of want to rewatch that too. I remember it being pretty great, but I kind of forget it. It's been forever. Yeah, it actually still looks good too. Like, um, yeah, I wasn't sure. I was like, is this because no one takes risk anymore? Because it, you know, I looked at this behind the scenes stuff and they're like, yeah, we kept thinking it wasn't going to be made like up until the last second. They were like, all right. So, like, I don't know if that even happens anymore with big, you know, big budget things anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you were, like, well, you have, like, a lot of, uh, you know, you're, like, really prolific or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, you put, you posted that in the chat the other day. You're, like, Narwhal's working on a bunch of projects. Yeah, I think it might be like a little bit of an illusion because you do got irons in the fire, but they're just, it's down the line. Like, yeah, like I got a notebook of ideas that I might make a comic one day and it might be like 20 things, but it doesn't really mean I'm working on 20 projects. I think right now I'm working on, yeah, I am writing a couple with Jared <laughs> and then I'm drawing a couple early. So it's just like four things I'm working on or something like that. Yeah. Did you ever see that Dick Tracy movie in the 90s? I think it was the 90s. Yeah, the Warren Beatty Dick Tracy. Yeah, yeah. but I actually don't remember it either. Yeah, me either. Uh, I saw clips of it, I think. But I remember it being semi-panned or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard Warren Beatty owns the rights to Dick Tracy somehow. And he, oh. he's keeping them. He's like... That's some trick where he still owns the rights. Yeah, I guess I was wondering, like, um, sometimes, like, sometimes you bring up, like, uh, you used to drink a lot or something, and I, I keep wondering if that's the fact that you're not just drinking is like part of why you're so like. Like you work on a lot of stuff now or something. <laughs> yeah, that that's a little something. But the other thing is, I wonder if like I kind of just the way life works out or whatever is like in my twenties, I was drinking a lot, partying a lot, and I'm and then I'm like, is that that's kind of like wasted? I and that, those were the days when I could have worked like sixteen hour days if I wanted to. Now I can't work sixteen hour days. Like my my diseased recovering alcoholic recovering brain can only work like eight hours absolute max and that even that like usually i'll just work like i don't know six six actual hours i'll be working a day or something like that and but you'd be surprised if you do that every day you still get a bunch of stuff done which is cool but i'm like ah oh, what would it be like if i didn't but then the thing is drinking whatever it's it's not like it's super terrible i guess i don't know and it does that experience in my 20s, it did give me a base of just like living life to kind of help with whatever writing and stuff kind of comes up later. 
so I don't really regret it necessarily. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I wasn't sure if it was like um that's all you were doing back then. Um Yeah, I was still writing back then, but it was it wasn't as much as I write or work on stuff these days. Cause these days I do it like every day. It's I basically I'm pretty much just what I do. But in my twenties, yeah, like the whole time I was writing so, and kind of slowly getting better. And it took like, like kind of like they say, but it took about 10 years. And then I felt like I was actually writing stuff that I thought was, was decent by that point. Cause you always, you can look back on stuff you've written Usually, you if it's like you wrote it, like, I don't know, you need like a little bit of distance, like three months at least. You check something out that you wrote three months ago. And a lot of times you're like, when you're younger, you're like, oh, it's crap. I thought it was so good, but it's total crap. And then that kind of keeps happening. But eventually that kind of stops. And I got to that point where I read it and be like, oh, this isn't so bad. I kind of like this. Earthbound was kind of the first tipping point for that. I was like 27 mm. when I wrote that script. Um, and I still liked it when I was 30. I was like, maybe this should be a comic. So I kind of start that process. And I'm 37 now. So it's been seven years kind of in earnest, really going for the comic thing. Um, and in the 20s, it, I still drew comics, but it wasn't that much. It was just enough to, yeah, kind of stay. Because even that's kind of a similar thing. Like the more you do, the better you get, the faster you get good. But um I don't know. I think I might have drawn like three, three or four hundred pages of of comics and random other projects before I started Earthbound. Oh yeah, because you, I think I heard you say you went to uh, Evergreen yeah. College, and that yeah. was like, when was that? That was before uh, the Weinstein stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was before Brett Weinstein, all that. But even when I was there, there was a big riot on campus from just a concert that got out of hand and I had lived in the dorm. So it was like down the road. I actually didn't go to that concert, but I remember hearing about it. Some people like flipped a cop car, but they just flipped like the campus cop car. I don't think anyone got arrested. I think maybe some people might've got expelled back then. Like they would still do that. They would still, cause they don't even like do that anymore. They're so scared of getting called racist or whatever. I don't know, <laughs> but that was, it was like, there were annoying hippies everywhere and, uh my the one guy i kind of connected with was the one dude who wasn't a hippie he was there on the gi bill so we kind of hung out a little bit oh i i had one other buddy that who i was kind of friends with there well there's two there's a handful one i'm still buddies with because he kind of got red pilled too but he was like me we were both hippies we were we thought we were hippies but then we were like who the fuck are these hippies i hate these hippies <laughs> um and i'm like is there such thing as a right-wing hippie because that's almost like <laughs> what would be my style but uh well yeah one guy it was when trump got elected he got really mad at me and cut me off i was like okay good riddance oh. whatever yeah a right-wing hippie i was that made me picture uh owen benjamin <laughs> yeah 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 that's like kind it, of he more, lives on a farm too and i think yeah um, that's more my speed a little bit ted kaczynski too yeah <laughs> Um. Yeah, like, what years did you go there? Do you remember? Like, I graduated high school in two thousand five. So yeah, it was like two thousand six, 
oh, okay. to 2010 was like my college years kind of me too i mean i went late but uh i was out of college those years and like um yeah it wasn't like woke or whatever but there would i guess gay issues came up like there was a um and i did it wasn't at first it was like when obama was running when like all of a sudden ever like you got bugged every time you walked around campus like are you registered to vote because they wanted you to vote obama and um and it was just so annoying like off-putting the way they were pushy about it like because before that i i did vote for like john Kerry, but like but something about Obama, like the way they were blindly, like almost, you know, like he was Chairman Mao or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you caught on early then, before me, for sure. Well, I didn't really. I just, I don't know. Like me and my friend, like we both were like, what is it? Like we were really annoyed by it. Like that was the first time I was like, what's going on here? Why are they blindly, like, you know, the way South Park made fun of them everyone like after he won that's how the campus was people were just walking around celebrating <laughs> yeah um yeah but there wasn't uh i don't think it was woke it was just like um they i guess talked about some gay issues like there was this t-shirt that on campus that went around that that just said uh gay fine by me and I don't even know why, but that <laughs> just was a trend or something. You know what? I, when I when I hear "fine by me," I think of Friends. It's what Ross says to Rachel when they like they have a big breakup, and I I oh because they kind of get sort of back together just for a second, but then they get in a big fight, and then she goes, "We are so over," and he goes, uh, uh, "Fine by me," and then he runs away. <laughs> It's pretty funny. Huh. <coughs> that so that might be what it is. <laughs> I don't even know what they're referencing. Yeah, I don't. Well, there might have been a I don't know maybe a glad thing in there, but I remember like um the most woke thing I heard I think was this one like health class we had and it was like. They had like gay people just I forget why, but gay people were just up there talking or something. Uh and one of them was like, Oh, they were talking about like, is it offensive if people say gay like that's gay or whatever? And like most of them actually were like, Not really, but and then one guy was like, It is to me. Hmm. And he annoyed me. I was like And then I didn't know that the whole culture would be that guy eventually. <laughs> oh yeah yeah everyone's gonna just do that yeah i mean some stuff is making a almost a comeback like it's a i know shane gillis says gay and stuff and then i, I keep hearing like people say retard again <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say if there's like a draft for what words to bring back straight up retard needs to come back and then uh <laughs> Gay is like the close second because those are both pretty functional. It comes up all the time where you like want to say them, but I know. it's hard to. Mm -hmm. So did you? Was that? I mean, did you grow up near Seattle? Any like was it super left where you grew up? 
Yeah, and it it was kind of like the the world the the water you swim in, so you don't even notice. But the first time I really noticed it was Trump, I guess, because even yeah. before then I I was like starting to like I I was starting to change, but I didn't notice. I didn't like voice it or say it. I was getting annoyed by feminists and stuff. And um, but then in 2016, it it was me and my friend. It was good to have kind of a friend go through it too because we were both like i think trump's funny and we didn't know what everyone else was thinking we were just laughing we're like dude he's funny and then we told my dad that one day we're like hanging out with my dad and we're like we think trump's funny and he's and my dad like started crying he's like i didn't raise you to be like this (laughs) and then my dad would be embarrassed now because he's kind of gotten borderline red-pilled like eight years later because of everything that kept happening and i I kept kind of like whatever sending him tweets and stuff but he's got his own opinions and everything which is cool but back then he was totally he was totally decent or sensitized he was not desensitized at all and a lot of people weren't that's 2016 was crazy like friendships and everything and um but i think when my dad started crying like me and my friends started laughing at my dad and then that (laughs) kind of like snapped him out of it a little bit and so it was a good just that path everyone needs to get slightly desensitized i think yeah that's interesting i mean like yeah i mean i've really noticed it then too i was uh i'm not from a city well yeah i'm not from a my family's all conservatives and then i moved to like philly it uh was the first city and I just started noticing how uptight it felt there. Like, I think I might have brought this up last time, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, like the whole, like, um, it was like that. There was some people, like, you know, I was doing, like, open mic comedy there. Like, there was some even liberal guys that were like, I mean, come on, it's funny. Like, it's fun. <laughs> He's funny, but, like, and then there were some there was like one feminist comedian. And that's when I started to really think, okay, I don't I don't get feminist like feminism started to bother me, but like I hadn't thought about it up till then until I like really saw people that were feminists like I was like I don't know if this makes any sense, but oh it I was too uncomfortable like oh, I don't know the history of feminism, so I'm not going to talk about it, but then like do that they, they probably don't know that either, so <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, are they're like, oh god, the things people were saying, like, whatever, like, it's your privilege to be able to vote for whoever you want. Some people can't even don't have that choice. They have to vote for the non-fascists because otherwise they'll be genocided or whatever that kind of shit they're saying. I'm like, eh, sh- shut your mouth, whore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, see, Narwhal's been. You know, he was he was a nice guy, and then he joined CG, and he says stuff like that. So, <laughs> just you know, I, yeah. like I'm speaking out against him, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, like the yeah, I started hearing white privilege randomly come up. Like maybe it was a, when I moved to Philly. Like every guy I thought was gay, like every guy I met, I th- <laughs> and like. Yeah. I don't, like, I'm not a manly, you know, big guy. It's just, like, 
their demeanor or something. Actually, I think Ethan might have talked about this too. Like, it, it seems like it's in every, like, facet of whatever, like comics, like whatever. I didn't think comedy really would be, because I don't know. But yeah, um, yeah. Everyone, everyone talks kind of gay, even if they're straight. It's confusing. Yeah, I think it's like. I guess it's just like I'm trying to seem progressive, not offend people. But that was when remember like alternative comedy was like edgy still? Like Sarah Silverman would just say stuff that was bad. Yeah. And now it's like I don't know what it is now, but <laughs> it's weird too. I don't like yeah, what what she did in particular was like pretty cringy cuz I remember she had a show at one point for like a brief period, like a little talk show or whatever. And then she had Bill Burr on and she like did a struggle session with Bill Burr. And this is like 2017 maybe or something. And, and he's like, what's even going on here? What are you doing? And she was like, she's like, we all changed, but you didn't change. Right. Something like that. You're not changing. Look at you. You're sticking to your guns. The rest of us are getting on board, but you just don't really want to get on board. Do you? And he's like, what is this? What are you doing? I'm like, man, this is so cringy of Sarah Silverman. She's, she's like, was she ever cool? Like, I guess a lot of that, it kind of reveals like she was being weird. Even when she was like saying stuff that we might agree with, she was just going with the flow. Then. Yeah. And then now she's going with the flow the other way, whatever. But... Yeah. It just like, I guess it was in back then to be edgy. Even I'm Amy Schumer. When I first heard of Amy Schumer, it was like before she was really famous, and like I thought she was just basically Sarah Silverman. That's kind of what she was doing back then. Yeah. Um, and now they both, although Sarah Silverman keeps kind of like sort of being like, "This is too much," but then going back and <laughs> I'm sure she's upset by the. The fact that woke is now not like agreeing with Nazis or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also annoying. It's like, yeah, you should like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just the fact, you know, it's only when things are personal. That they'll say anything. Yeah. Oh, speaking of like the the it's like the political spectrum got split into quadrants instead of left and right, where there's left wing pro-Hamas, left-wing against Hamas, which is like the left-wing Jewish establishment or whatever. And then there's right-wing pro-Hamas and then right-wing pro- Oh, yeah. uh, Whatever. uh, What's it called? It's Zionist, the right-wing Zionist, which is, yeah. And that's just kind of interesting. But that happening, too, it did make me think, like, it makes me think a, a lot more like Trump maybe will win in 2024. And ultimately, that probably is good, but it also is, it is a step towards what do they call it in the last book of the Bible, where it's like the apocalypse is happening. It's yeah. uh, all that stuff is getting checked off, and it's the Antichrist has to like come to power. And because there's one account I follow on Twitter, and he's like, yeah, Trump's the Antichrist, and he's gonna, he's gonna, because they had to, the main thing about the Antichrist is it has to kind of trick you. He has to, he's actually cool. But then it just doesn't end up the way you'd hope. Like it doesn't end in salvation, and uh, and that's like I'm like that fits a lot with what's happening now. It's like the because of the quadrantized split, 
it means Trump will win a lot more easier. The media might even go easy on him. They might actually want Trump to win over like some Democrat pro Hamas person. All of a sudden they'll be like, ah, Trump's not so bad actually. So then Trump destroys, wins, and then uh, continues like the book of revelations. That's what it is. Continues like the, the kind of like Zionist prophecy that brings about the, the end of days. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it would be Trump to me. Cause I think that's, they hate him because he doesn't follow any kind of order. He's like, maybe at one point he did like maybe, uh, DeSantis would more. And some people said Newsom if he got elected. But to me, he's, he's not like a... To me, he is unlike, unlikable. I don't know if he's fooling everyone. Like Obama, everybody liked, even on the right. So, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, Obama just annoyed me like later because he would say shit because he kind of always sold him as, himself as like a reasonable person. But then you kind of learn their playbook or whatever and they do the reasonable thing while they're behind their back doing unreasonable things. And Obama was kind of like that. He's like the figurehead of that. But I'm trying to remember what he, yeah, like Obama will, he spoke out a lot for the vaccines, which is super annoying. And he speaks out a lot for like children, uh, freaking trans surgery kind of stuff. Oh. And you're like, Obama, you're like, you're, he's just a mouthpiece for more of the weird right wing or left wing agenda type stuff. Yeah. I guess I didn't like care for a little while after he was elected. Like, but that's when like Snowden came out. They got really secretive and like Big Brother, like when he was in. Yeah. And I thought George Dub, like, I thought the Patriot Act was like that, but then. At least we knew about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, and then Obama was, like, kind of stoking racial stuff with the Trayvon Martin. Yeah. Yeah, the only times that have been good, it was Trump's time. But even that, it wasn't, like, that great because people hated Trump so much that it was making shit just unbearable. I know. That's why I was, like, I I was kind of relieved almost when he got... Um, well, I didn't want Biden though, but yeah, like I would agree with you, except then it the freaking inflation is so that's yeah. also very like annoying. It's definitely, I can feel the effects of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know if he, <laughs> I do, I don't know if he won again, I'd just be like, oh my god, there's no hope. <laughs> I don't yeah. even care who wins, but like. They the left keeps going like, hey, this other thing care about that. Like they're trying to distract people with like, hey, we support the Palestine Palestine this week, and then next week Israel. <laughs> yeah. Don't think about you know inflation, just trans kids. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, but I uh sort of disagree with this comment saying Sam Hyde. I think Sam Hyde stayed the same. Tim Heidecker, I don't like anymore. Tim Heidecker is too, he's like political comedy now. He's not even, they yeah. had no politics might, in before. <laughs> he might be saying Tim Heidecker pulled the ladder on Sam Hyde. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'd never even really 
Um, there was one skit I saw where he was a <laughs> quadroon or something, and that's the m- m- only racial thing he did that I saw back then. But I didn't even know what that yeah. term meant back then either. Yeah. Uh. Oh, but yeah. Speaking of just a little more, not to get back to politics, but freaking Trump, he did get some big things wrong. So I don't even know who, like, it, who would even be a good situation. It's almost like no, you can't even have it. It's like nobody. But Trump got the pandemic, all that stuff wrong, and he's also he was also wrong with Snowden, uh, oh. and and those guys, uh, Assange. I was really hoping Trump would pardon Assange. And the January Sixers, Trump. I think he might have. Then maybe that was. I think he had a chance. He should have pardoned them. But yeah. Um, um, I mean, some of those things. Like, I don't think they'd let someone get elected if they ran on freeing Assange. I. I don't know. <laughs> it feels like he, him, and Snowden are like. It's just never going to happen. They're never going to be freed. Like, they're just being made examples of, like, unpersoned, you know? Yeah. So, like, I would be like, all right, if you do that, just don't even run on it and then do it when you are in office. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, but, uh. Yeah, so I guess I was thinking of, like, uh. Do you have like a a certain style to your like drawing that's like more mm-hmm. unique, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes I'm like uh like I'm not sure what uh how to judge art because sometimes EVS would show stuff and he'd be like this is bad and I don't I'm not I'm like I don't even know what's wrong about it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's funny. Um, I got this comic at a concert recently. It's like <laughs> a band called Dying Di- Fetus. Yeah, nice. They like had a. They said it was a limited. Ten years ago, they made it, and it was like a limited run or something. And I was wondering how people like if it's good. <laughs> I mean, it looked, you know. Yeah. Um, I actually read it, and it's like, it's like this psycho guy that like, uh, he like goes and joins, I don't know, protesters. It's kind, it's almost an anti-socialist thing. <laughs> mm. It's like a psycho criminal who joins like young people, not like, and he's like, yeah, we're gonna. But then he's like basically just like a psycho in the background. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, any, hold on, there's one. You see here he's throwing babies at Christian people at a church because he's like, I hate Christian people and that, you know, these are fetuses, I think. (laughs) But then at the end, uh, I don't really know what this is. Like, is that a baby? <laughs> this thing comes out, and he's like, "What is that?" You know. That's funny. 
Yeah, but you, uh, did you always, like, draw stuff that way? Uh, not, per not exactly. I, I, that's kind of more minimalist style. Came up when I switched to digital art. But, so I drew traditional all through my 20s, but I was never that good. And then I got one kind of big comic job that was like a trial by fire type of thing. Uh, that was kind of my only professional job in the industry is for a book called Machete Squad. And yeah. that book was 120 pages. And, the, and they're like, how I got the job was this journalist I had met at a comic convention. He kind of hit me up because he kind of liked my art. And he's like, well, we had an artist lined up for our book. We had a book deal, but we our artist dropped out. So we need a new artist or else we're going to lose our book deal. But um, you have to be able to draw and color 120 pages in a year. Can you do that? And I was like, yes, <laughs> which I didn't even know if I could or not. But So I immediately kind of switched to digital. I was like, all right, if I'm even going to be able to do this, it's going to have to be digital. So I, And then from that, kind of the necessity of it kind of working digital and that kind of happened over a period of like a month or something of like kind of jumping in and i had to redraw a few of the early pages trying to figure out what kind of style works I, I do remember thinking i i did kind of even conceptualize it i was like oh if the ink lines are meant to hold the color and the color is the rendering then you don't have to render with the ink lines because that's like what a lot of comics do is they do cross hatching they do lots of cool detail and i'm like it's more anim from the school of animation which this art is like that too but this is my friend jared but we kind of are on the same spectrum of art um but and he's a great cartoonist wait did he draw he drew this stuff yeah yeah so and it's still it's kind of like my style you know but he drew that okay and um and that's where yeah like the lines are meant to hold the color and the color is kind of doing more of the work for like creating the the shape and the character or whatever you know yeah like the backgrounds in that in earthbound too like how it's kind of separated it from the oh the that's cool you like it yeah I, i'm not sure if some people like kind of don't like it but i do like it and I, I like the low poly 3D backgrounds with the characters popping out. I, I I definitely have been, that's kind of like the second evolution of my style I've been developing over the years. Cause Earthbound, Earthbound one, actually a few pages did that. Oh. And, uh, and then Earthbound Grand Prix, all the pages are doing it. But yeah. Is it like, is it a little easier to do it that way or? It's almost like the same. And I actually do like kind of doing both. I'm doing another project where I'm just drawing them instead of doing it in 3D. But 3D, it's pretty fun because the whole process changes where it's a little bit more like being a filmmaker. You're making the environment and you're going in with like a, a digital camera kind of within the 3D scene. And you're taking photographs of the environment and then you're drawing characters over the top. So like that whole process is so different. And it's pretty fun. Yes, and you were like learning animation too. Like, uh, I mean, that's like I've done like some little comedy animations, like, and it is pretty hard to learn. Uh, I mean, it's time consuming, mostly to do the lip syncing, but uh, yeah, it's yeah, 
Well, you did. Well, you were learning the 3D stuff, which I thought would be harder. I don't know though. Um, yeah, yeah, and I've been trying to learn a little bit of both. Blender can kind of do both, and I, I keep going back and forth on which one I like like more or want to try and learn more. But I do like 3D. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a hotel story. It's uh, his newest one. And this is going to be a... Wait, is this... Oh, part one of two again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is another one where it's kind of split right down the middle. Do you like come up with how many pages but like and then stick to that or usually it's it i it always starts just kind of as a movie script and i always want the movie script to be at least 90 pages because that's kind of like an actual movie and uh -huh. i know that will be roughly double that will kind of be a comic idea so uh if it's 90 page movie script that'd be like 180 page comic book and that's that's definitely not exactly accurate but that just gives you an idea to get started um and so that's kind of where i work from yeah like it's weird like i you know it's weird that i like i mean i probably wouldn't have thought i'd be reading comics again uh but you know comics gate you know yeah that's cool that we're you're finding people are finding us and picking it up again that is part of the fun for sure yeah, and, and also, like, the you guys have, it's, like, more quality printing because I remember most comics that I used to get were, like, almost more newspaper. Yeah. And then I had one that was, like, a graphic novel, like, the way Cerberus is, like, like some Deadpool one, and it was, like, whoa, this is, like, because I remember National Geographic used to have that same magazine-style and like that's what I liked about it the most. Like, um, it like makes yeah. you want to read it more or something. Mm -hmm. uh, Meatball here has a question. He says, "How much do you like to fit on a single page in terms of action and storytelling?" Well, I can kind of answer that. One one thing is you can pack a lot of of stuff on it, but so in general, I usually try and hit like five to seven panels. Is like just kind of my sweet spot but i like nine panel pages i like higher panel pages sometimes and lower panels fine too but that's why it's like it could be anything but i was gonna say frank miller he kind of started doing 16 panel pages and that's like so many and it it still works and is totally fun so it's kind of interesting that there's no right answer you can do whatever you want yeah like i wonder if anyone's ever um made like a troll comic where like i have seven pages in a row of just a bullet flying through the air yeah <laughs> no actually i saw one sort of like that it, it's cerebus which is different than cerberus it's a famous indie comic from like the 70s and 80s but it's about this aardvark conan the barbarian type character and but there's a part where he has a dream and then the last like five pages of the comic are him waking up from the dream and and going to piss in the dark so it's it's nine <laughs> panel pages that are per, that are totally black but you just hear an s is written across every panel for five <laughs> pages straight <laughs> wow 
I wonder if that was like, I was contracted to do this many pages, so I'm just going to. Yeah, I mean, I think that it almost was like a literal troll, but back then it would be a different term that they would use. But um, it was like a troll or and also that comic, it did allow itself to be like artsy fartsy. So it's almost artsy fartsy to do five pages of someone pissing. There's like a fine line with that with me. Like I like. I don't know. It's weird. Like, you know, I, I like some artsy like David Lynch and others indie movies i mean i guess i like indie movies more now than mainstream ones but uh then some of those indie like i don't know foreign movies like to me i can tell when it's like oh it's trying to be artsy oh yeah i agree yeah they have like you can just tell and then it's kind of cringy or whatever and yeah, that's so, like because even my comics, I kind of straddle that. I straddle a little bit of artsiness. I think people like that about my work. Someone said they said like Narwhal is artsy without being pretentious. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a good compliment. Yeah. Um, b- before I read your stuff, uh, I think when I first maybe saw you on some stream, um, you were talking about a standing desk or something, and I was like, oh, no, I hope he's not, like, kind of a hipstery. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to me back then, I was like, oh, standing desk. But now everybody has those, I mean. And it's... <laughs> yeah. I know. I haven't even activated mine in a while. I can push it, the button, and it goes up, but I have it sitting right now. Yeah. And, like... Um, some people would be like, uh, depending on the crowd you're around, like, oh, you don't drink? Oh, you're, you're one of those, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, in, uh, at Evergreen, did you design your own major or something? Yeah, it was just like a four-year degree and it didn't get me a job or anything. So it was kind of like... If I could go back, I wouldn't do it. But it was weird timing because I think right around, you know, like in 2008 or 2009, YouTube wasn't exactly a thing yet. Um, and But it totally was by like 2012, 2013. So like I just, if I would have been four years later, then you could have legitimately been like, don't go to college, just watch YouTube. Like, and I would tell myself. <laughs> but um, this, for that, case i ended up and i i did a art history sculpture and comics it was like a lot of my shit but not film classes no i tried to get into the filmmaking class and it's a feminist bitch who wouldn't let me in (laughs) so that was like part of the reason wow yeah my friend meatball here who's in the (laughs) chat he uh had a feminist some kind of uh he was forced into taking some kind of feminist lit class (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he's an English teacher now, but he had to, and uh, he, oh, it was like, <laughs> they kept talking about how, oh, women don't make as much as men, and um, I think he just said something like, yeah, but there's more girls here on campus, and there's like a lot of women here on campus and not as many men, really, and she was like, no. He just said no, even though it was obviously true. And, and there were a lot of, but they were all going for nursing and stuff, which is still, 
female type of <laughs> yeah oh and i told like it was weird because like a lot of the women back maybe it's different now but back then um a lot of the women that were that were even there like going to college they were like well my ultimate goal is to like get married and have kids yeah and they were but i was like then why are you wasting money on <laughs> But now I don't know if that would be what they said. Like now they might be like, well, I'm going to be a career woman. Yeah. The times are, are still changing a little bit. It's hard to even keep, keep up or figure it out. Like what, what exactly is happening? Cause at any point too, like, like even the youngest generation, whatever it is, generation Z or whatever, like they're the most cringy and fucked up and they got some of the most weird communists, but they also got some of the most based people too. So no. Uh, yeah, and uh, Meatball asks, what is worse, Palestine or East Palestine? And I'll, I'm going to just say Palestine because they're brown. <laughs> yeah. So that's worse. Well, I was like, if that's what, that is almost like a good political statement or whatever. It's like, you know, they're like, we got problems here in America we should solve first before worrying about any foreign bullshit. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, do you have uh I don't know, a favorite what's your favorite thing besides comics? Is it like movies? Yeah, I like I love movies. Dabble in video games. Usually I just watch them while I'm drawing, but I I love video games and lately I've been really into spiders. I watch a lot of videos about spiders and Yeah, I might try and do a spider comic at some point, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it would be. Yeah, it was just like, what if there was a Cerberus, but from spider, like insects? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but then no one, well, I guess some people, yeah. That's always always the like alternative type of people that were like, I have a pet snake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's some of the YouTube videos I watch are people with pet spiders and stuff. But I, because I was scared of them for until very kind of recently, like last summer, I've always had arachnophobia, but I realized the more, you know, the less scared you get. So I have been like deep diving in some spiders and stuff. Yeah. So you're, well, you said you want to make a video game and you said a like text, like a point and click type of thing. Yeah, it might not even be that much. It's like I found a few of the type of games because I was glad to see they do exist. But I think they sometimes they just call them like visual novel. Like most of the gameplay is like selecting what to say of from, from a couple different choices. And like that's it. So you're like type, you're pressing up and down, you're pressing A and you're reading. And then there's art and it tells a story. And that's there. There it. You can make kind of a fun little product that way and people do enjoy it. So I was like, that is something I want to like tiptoe towards kind of uh, pursuing here here and there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you could definitely do it. Because like, I uh, follow this YouTube guy, like Alpha Beta Gamers is the channel, and he... It's just brand new demos and games, and some a lot of them are free that you can just play. Yeah, I follow that YouTube channel too. Uh, 
It's cool. Yeah, Heavy Rain I really liked. That was like a... Uh, they also made a game with Ellen Page in. <laughs> yeah, it was called Be- something Souls or something. Yeah. I, forget. I was going to say Between Two Souls. <laughs> like Between Two Ferns <laughs> with Ellen Page. <laughs> well, yeah, me, I got, you know, between a male soul and a female one. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it is. And that's is, the yeah. ending is she just becomes a man at the end, which was like a weird, almost a predictive programming. Yeah. Uh, no, I never finished that. I actually have it, but uh, yeah. I don't know if that's. I don't know if I stopped playing it because, like, I'm like, oh, it's Ellen Page, and that I just keep thinking about. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you're dead naming her just by playing that game, so you got to stop. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, Maddox is beyond two souls, not between two souls. With Zach Galifianakis and Ellen Page. Oh, yeah. yeah, like, um, but yeah, this uh, dying fetus comic, like. Kind of reminded me of this one Zach one that I read called like, uh, oh, this guy who keeps saying no all the time. Yeah, yeah, the Ballad of No. Yeah, it was kind of like the, it's a you're unwittingly in a protest and they think you're on their side and stuff. Yeah, that's funny. So you're uh. Your dad, that's, is your family, like, leftist, or? Yeah, but they're not so bad, really, I don't know what, (laughs) nowadays they're like, you know. Are they like Bill Maher now? Yeah, maybe a little more like that, and and even Bill Maher, like, annoys me, but they're like, they get some of the big stuff. The only thing that we I kind of disagree with my dad on because we we agree about all the pandemic stuff, pretty much mm-hmm. Ukraine and and everything, but he don't agree on Trump. He he hates Trump, and I like. Trump. Oh. Yeah, we I just mean, agree, agree to disagree. Yeah, I mean, my parents are like, they're like, I'm my well, my mom's like, I'm done with politics now. I think because of the uh, the last election. Oh yeah. Um so she's almost become like open like she's more into conspiracies now and stuff. But not yeah. like QAnon, but like, you know. But my dad they both like Trump, but like even my dad would be like, I don't agree with everything he says, but uh Yeah. I mean I can't believe somebody crying like that is like people have said like I just can't imagine crying over a election, anything, any election. <laughs> oh yeah, so many people cried in 2016. They're just like babies, kind of. But then you, you can't. You got to be nice because they'll. I don't know. They're very. It's like a very sensitive moment. We just weren't ready for it. We didn't realize how sensitive people were. <laughs> 
like one of my it was one of my friends older brother's wife she cried a bunch on 2016 and i wanted to laugh at her but i couldn't <laughs> she would have hated me for life if i laughed at her you know so i had to like bite my tongue or whatever but it's almost that's what they need too they need you to just laugh at them a little bit yeah um I, I mean, I was surprised he won, but, like, some of the stuff from the, like, one of my favorite things from after he won was Aaron Sorkin's letter to, like, his daughter. I don't know if you heard about that. <laughs> no. It and already he, sounds hilarious. Like, wrote, like, like to, to, to read in the future or something, like, hey, uh. Like, I don't know, just like apologizing for Donald Trump <laughs> being a president <laughs> or something. Yeah, that's so cringy. Aaron Sorkin thinks he's so smart. <laughs> yeah, that that's maybe a line of being... Like, he might cross the line of being snobby. Like, with the way he writes... Like, I, I, I don't really like the way he writes how people talk because... It to me is just if he was every character, you know. Yeah. But also, maybe you could say that about Tarantino a little too, though. Yeah, yeah, and Tarantino's awesome. But yeah, and Tarantino, he is a little snobby about his dialogue, but it's kind of like you allow it because it's sweet. But yeah. Uh. Yeah, so you never had a... Uh, did you ever hit bottom with drinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sort of, but I don't know. I didn't, like, yeah, like, burn any crazy bridges necessarily. But I definitely was just, uh, yeah, drinking too much and being hung over the next day. And... Yeah, I... Because I remember hearing you say that, I think, and then I remember that, like, you went to the Tampa thing, and I was like, uh-oh, what if he goes on off, or whatever the expression is, off the wagon? <laughs> yeah. No, I did, too. I drank a little bit in Tampa, but I just went right back to not drinking, so it's, it kind of worked okay. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because that's a little bit, like, I don't even know if I want to uh, read it, like, like you're an alcoholic and you're terrified of alcohol and your life's ruined yeah. if you ever have a sip seems better like to and i I was even thinking i was like maybe i would start drinking again when i'm like 50 or like 60 <laughs> but i don't really want to do it because it is it does feel like i want to try and be productive is like a big part of it but uh i don't know yeah i mean every it seems like every single comedian eventually has to go sober. Yeah. Like, there's never one that's like, um, Bill Burr even. Uh, well, part of it, actually the main reason I quit is because I was getting fat. So it wasn't oh. even like anything other than that. That was like effing with me, that kind of health side of it. Um, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's probably... Uh... Oh, in Tampa, you know why I drank, too? It's because of Cecil. Because Cecil, <laughs> he's, he's 
his peer pressure was like undeniable. But he was funny. He just came up to me with a little thing of whiskey. He goes, "Here, have a sip of this. Tell me how you, what you think of it." <laughs> I was like, "Uh, I'd already said no to like a handful of people who had offered me drinks, but when Cecil did it, I was like, okay, I finally <laughs> broke down." Do you think this like, works? Well, shit, I've, yeah, I was like, I've already drank, and I guess I could drink a little more. <laughs> but it it was fun to drink at, in Tampa. It loosens the whole social aspect of it. Um, it was kind of fun. Yeah, it's cool. Like, it's better to drink around for social stuff. But then, like, uh, I have been kind of taking breaks on and off. Like, because the thing I don't like about it the most, I guess, is like. If you drink for a little while, you, it's like if, then you feel like, oh, I need, I need drinks the next day. Yeah. Yeah. The thing, one thing I've noticed is it is like uh, almost for me at this point, it's like undeniable that it does help if you want like social lubrication, kind of to have a good time while going out and talking to strangers or whatever. But so yeah, I don't know. It's like that is always there. Like that is a reason why it's a, it's effective and you could drink. But then there's a lot more negatives than you don't. But um, it's just knowing that it's like ah, I am missing out a little bit. Like I could be having maybe a little more fun if I did go out and drink. Maybe and it's like shit. Maybe there was like, you know, a happy balance. But I'm not too interested in trying to find that just yet. I'm like ah, I'll just stick on the extremes. Yeah. And not for now. <laughs> And you never got into weed? No, I kind of, I don't know if I call it being lucky, but it just never did anything for me other than give me really bad munchies or make me feel like crap or whatever. So I tried it like, you know, and I still will smoke once in a while because of peer pressure, but I only do it to appease like, (laughs) you know, people or whatever. Yeah, that's why I do heroin too. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just like fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fentanyl. I'm like, all right, fine. I guess that's yeah. what's scary about. Well, I never did any. I I always used to think, oh, cocaine's crazy. Nobody does that. And then I started doing just open mics, and I realized, oh, everybody does cocaine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you're right. Cocaine's weird now too because of fentanyl. Yeah. So... Um. Yeah, but and you're a dungeoneer too, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you like I noticed you and Rini are really good at like, uh, not doing drama, like streams or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I I think definitely trying to, um, and done okay. At, yeah, dodging the drama for now. Yeah, that's what I keep. Is, there's a tipping point at the point I'm at now, which is kind of nice is like, I have my own ecosystem of fans there. It's not huge, but like, so even if whatever, if, if yeah, anyone could try and like kick me out of comic skate, I would still do. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, I've been noticing like, even like anti-woke people, will start to kind of start mobbing each other. Um, yeah. Even in Comicsgate, it seems like that's going on with... And then a lot of it, it seems like it's projection or just reading... Like, maybe this 
person hates me, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too kind of early in Comic Skate where I'm like, at first you're like, oh, finally, I found a group of people that I agree with. And then cut to like three months later and you're like, a lot of these people I don't like either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you can name names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't even mean it necessarily like that. It's just like, you know, you know how it is. It's just a numbers game almost. It's like people don't really get along. You don't have that much in common if you have political stuff in common. Still. Yeah, I think it's just in every community, I guess, because there's like a lot of YouTubers. I see that it seems like their whole focus is like... <laughs> Some of them, are, their whole focus is that boogie guy. Remember that big guy, that gamer guy? That, yeah. Like, I watched one of the, somebody's videos and the, <laughs> just keeps suggesting. And it's like, I guess this is all he does is look at boogie's videos and say, like, what a piece of shit. And I'm like, I wouldn't want to <laughs> do that. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of the success of YouTube is like a curse, I think. I feel a little sorry for people who get successful at youtube and it's like oh congrats you have to comment on social movies for the rest of your life or whatever yeah um well i think on some of your streams you're like oh i might try being mean or like uh trolling people to to sell the comics or whatever and yeah i do think that might work because I mean, when YouTube was kind of new, I, I did uh, sort of a character that was purposely bad at guitar and like, <laughs> but yeah. all I did was like go to other people playing covers and I just comment, you suck, check out me because I actually play it well. Like I just was an asshole and everyone. <laughs> yeah. But they actually, like they would then watch my video and comment because they were probably upset or something. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. See, I am, I am okay with a little bit of that, maybe. Some of the kayfabe is, can be fun, but yeah. Um, but I also was like, well, I'm. The, it's a character, so it's not like it's me. But if it's like you, Narwhal, it might be. <laughs> yeah. Uh. You know, just going and like roasting other people's comics. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't want to keep you too long, but um, so you have hotel story, and like, do you have other something after that? The next book is gonna be Grand Prix Part Two, um, and then yeah, like getting Hotel Story fulfilled, maybe Hotel Story Two, Cerberus Two, a couple of sequels next year. It's all sequels. Uh, may, maybe a Narzak book too, which would be sweet, but I don't know too much of the details yet, even. But. Oh, yeah. Are those on your store at all? No, unfortunately. Oh. I don't have copies to resell, really. Those you can usually pick up on any any of Zach's campaigns, though, as add ons. He usually oh, has okay. them. Oh, there's a Cerberus movie script. Yeah, that's the full story, too. So if anyone ever wanted oh. that. 
Yeah, so you do like a lot of uh, brainstorming on streams, and, and sometimes I'm like, oh, is this a spoiler? So like I'll click out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know the thing, sometimes with spoilers, I'm like, it's just the way comics go. It'll be two years before this is ever real, and no one's going to remember. So I don't yeah. care too much, but it technically you... is a spoiler a lot of times. Yeah, I guess. Um, do you ever do like, well, if you're brainstorming, are you worried somebody's going to come in and like swipe that idea and then <laughs> you'll see a campaign come up the next day or something? No, you know what I sometimes worry about is, I don't know if someone was ever like, they suggest something in the chat and I was going to do that anyway, and then I do it and then they say like, I owe them money because they contributed to the oh, idea yeah. or something. Which I don't really think that would ever happen, or the probability is so low that I'm okay with just not even worrying about it until it, God forbid, something like that happens. Um, I know that, you know, like on the higher levels, like uh, Mark Miller, he would never brainstorm live specifically for that reason. And he has been sued. Because oh. once you get successful, you get the target on your back or whatever. Oh yeah. On my level, I don't care yet. I haven't, I haven't been. What's it called? Uh, I haven't been like ruined or like made cynical by, by like one bad thing. Because that's almost like what happened to Mark Miller. He had, you know, maybe it's two. He got sued twice, and it kind of ruins it for everyone else. But it's rightfully so in his case. You're like, yeah, you definitely don't want to get sued. So. Yeah, and like. Yeah, I'm worried about um, Well, I guess Rini had that uh rip off comic come out, but uh I think they just took art from her campaign. It wasn't even something she shared online. Yeah, that was like a little different. That's that was almost like I don't know if it was like Chinese embezzlers or something <laughs> doing some weird shit they do on Kickstarter. Yeah, it was up. like a Chinese knockoff of Fiendish. It was just... Yeah. Um, it's like when... Uh, <coughs> I remember when the mini Nintendo came out, there would be like knockoffs at flea markets or like video game system, but it looked like a Nintendo. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but uh, thanks for coming on again. Coming on again. Coming on again. Yeah, no problem. Um. Yeah, everybody, check out his eBay store. I think it's in my link in or description. And uh, if anybody happens to see this on Rumble. Sorry, uh, it looks like it was just on me the whole time. Because uh, it's like different with I don't I don't pay for stream art, so. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, everybody check out Narwhal's stuff, um, channel, and all the Comicsgate stuff. And uh, oh yeah, have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, oh yeah, it's coming up Thanksgiving. Yeah, I forgot to give my land acknowledgement I was going to do <laughs> for 
Just remember we're on stolen land and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's funny. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Good interview. We can do another one soonish on my channel or yours, whatever. Oh yeah. Um Yeah, and uh my friend better buy your stuff. I'm gonna check. Do uh, it. <laughs> okay. Uh yeah, thanks everybody. I'm gonna end the stream. And yeah, thanks everybody and Support our wall. Yeah. <laughs>